Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. Well, what a difference a week makes. On my last podcast episode, I didn't think the Raiders would release or trade Trent Brown if they let go of fellow offensive lineman Richie Incognito and Gabe Jackson. Turns out, I couldn't have been more wrong as the silver and black dealt Brown to the New England Patriots. Now, the move helps clear nearly $14 million in cap space for the Raiders, but the bad news is they now need three starters on the offensive line. Earlier this week, the league announced the salary cap would be $182.5 million, and the Raiders are approximately $30 million under after all the moves they've made, which include the Brown trade and releasing the following players, Richie Incognito, Gabe Jackson, LaMarcus Joyner, and Tyrell Williams. And I'm not sure if the Raiders are done yet either. We need to monitor the Marcus Mariota situation because that's an additional $11 million in cap space if they let the backup quarterback walk away. So heading into the offseason, we all thought the Raiders had a lot to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. Well, think again. Now, I think one quick fix to help shore up the line would be to sign free agent Denzel Good. Let's bring him back. I mean, in 2020, he filled in at various positions before settling in at left guard, and he played very well. John Simpson's still on the roster. He was a fourth-round pick last year, and he played in seven games, including two starts, but I'm not sure he's ready to become a full-time starter. So where does that leave the Raiders? I mean, do they look at free agency? Are they looking at the draft? A lot of pro days going on right now. Perhaps they can find someone at the D2 or FCS level. I think that's what we're calling it these days. And there's plenty of games to see this weekend, 38 in all. And you can check on the games at betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. When the NBA is in full swing, college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to the madness. Yes, the tournament is coming. And so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest as BetOnline is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. I mean, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for, Raider Nation? Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, for more on where the Raiders go from here and other storylines heading into free agency, let's welcome in Russell Baxter, founder of ProFootballGuru.com. Russell, thanks for taking the time to join me. My pleasure, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So before we start talking Raiders and storylines, you like to do something on Twitter, and I find this very fascinating. You're counting down 
to the NFL draft. Yesterday was day 50. You talked about Mike Singletary, the Hall of Fame linebacker. Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes in 2007. We're taping. As did Patrick Mahomes in 2018. There we go. Get that one in as well. We're taping this one 49 days out. So what did you do for today? Bobby Mitchell is probably the guy um, that stands out the most as far as a pro football Hall of Famer, real, or all-purpose back. Um, you know, those great Browns teams, uh, also with with Washington as well. Um, you know, a, a guy who you probably don't think of as a pro football Hall of Famer because he's taken such a backseat to some of the other great Browns running backs for the most part, but uh, certainly has the credentials, uh, was a dynamite player. And, uh, you know, running backs wearing number 49, that's probably, you know, it's not something you see anymore either. It's like, it's like trying to explain to people that Jack Youngblood, the defensive end, wore number 85. Or how about what, Brad Van Pelt, the linebacker for the 10. Nice for 10, right? I mean, yes. Look at, yes. You know your numbers clearly. You know, I was thinking, I'm like, who are some great players that wore 49? I couldn't really think of any. I'm like, okay, what about great Raiders? And I couldn't even think it would be great Raiders. I had to go all the way back to the 70s, a wide receiver, mm-hmm. number 49, Mike Ciani. I mean, that's right. going way back. And that's a wide receiver wearing in the 40s. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, years and years ago, they changed the rules as far as, uh, you know, uniform designation and so on. But uh, I love those, uh, the, the older players who were allowed, basically allowed to wear anything they want. Um, and like I said, we talk about Youngblood and you talk about Van Pelt and there's so many other examples as well. So, but it's fun to do. I do it for the Super Bowl. I do it for the draft. I do it for the start of the preseason. I do it for the Hall of Fame inductions. Um, and uh, it gets people going. I mean, there's certain numbers that spur more conversations than others. A couple of years ago, I did an actual poll. Um, whereas, you know, you pick who the best is. Um, but I mean, when you get to number 34, you got Walter Payton, you got Thurman Thomas, you got Earl Campbell. Who'd you go with, with best at number 34? Well, uh, I don't necessarily pick the best. Okay. And do that and so on. If I was going to choose, I mean, Earl Campbell to me was the scariest thing I ever saw run the football. But Walter Payton, I believe, is still not only the Bears' all-time leading rusher, I think he's, he's still their all-time leading receiver. And Walter Payton also threw eight or nine touchdown passes. So as t- far as a complete football player, he's about as good as they get. I agree. I think Walter Payton, isn't he the last running back or maybe one of the only running back to throw two touchdown passes in a game? And I think he did it against the Saints. I think he gets, did it against, it might have been 1983 he did that, I think. That's, uh, I'm, just th- I'm just guessing. I'm throwing it out there. I think <laughs> it was a wild game in the Superdome, if I remember right back. You know, between the stiff arm and and the relentless running style and so on, it, it's too bad Walter's not around anymore. It's you know uh, really a shame. But boy, he was and 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 to think he really cut his uh, his bones early in his career as more of a kickoff returner, and then play you know in 1975 and then splashed onto the scene in '76 and then and then the, I mean, but think about it. You think about physical football players, and we think about the Jack Tatum's um, and so many other guys, Deacon Jones, uh, you know, the hard hitters of today, and so on. Which not as many as there used to be because the rules are a little different. But as far as physical football players, you know, Walter Payton's right up there. Right. And you started to talk about quarterbacks. I mean, we're going number twelve for this podcast. We're going to go Kenny Stabler, Russell. I'm so glad to eventually see him get into the Hall of Fame. You know. Uh, 70s 
you know, I've been watching football for 50 years. I'm 61 years old. And uh, I, I've told people to say, we, we talk about the, the Elway comebacks and the, the Peyton Manning and Brady and all those different things. But in the 70s, there were two quarterbacks who you had to make sure there was no time left on the clock or they were going to somehow find a way. One was Roger Staubach and the other was Ken Stabler. They didn't win all the Super Bowls and all that. I mean, you know, you know Ken Stabler, you know, the Super Bowl eleven, and, uh, you know, Staubach, yeah, Super Bowl six, Super Bowl twelve. You know, the Steelers were really more the team in the 70s and so on. But as far as dangerous, I mean, what, you know, what, what greater play there? I mean, there's a ton of them. The sea of hands in the, in the, in the 74 divisional playoffs between them and the Dolphins. Well, I mean, it's one of the, still a classic almost 50 years later. And you got the Holy Roller. The Holy Roller. And maybe one day we see Cliff Branch get into the Hall of Fame. I do pieces on uh, Hall of Fame admissions, and he's been my number one for a couple of years. What do you think the chances are at some point? Well, you never say never. I mean, Jerry Kramer waited 40 years, and he finally got in. And he was pretty gracious about it, too. I know some people get a little more impatient. <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, you know, uh, Drew Pearson just got, I think Drew Pearson just came out and uh, don't quote me. I, I only saw a, a quick um, hyperlink and so on, but I think Drew Pearson had something to say about Cliff Branch recently, as far as maybe the next great wide receiver, the seniors committee and so on. Cliff Branch, speed kills. I mean, he was, he was not part of three championship teams. Um, but, you know, those, uh, you know, the big plays, um, and so big in the postseasons, all the postseasons in which he played. Okay, uh, I know the running game kind of stood out for in Super Bowl Eleven, but I mean, you know, he bedazzled the Eagles in uh, in, in Super Bowl Fifteen, scored a touchdown in Super Bowl Eighteen. Um, I mean, he was. And by the way, a wide receiver wearing number twenty-one. Yes, he was. I remember going to games at the Oakland Coliseum as a kid, Russell, and the banner was in the corner of the end zone. Yep. I came down and said, speed kills, and it was number 21. And If you go on fan side at Shameless Plug and you look at um, my latest piece, which I did a month or so ago, about the, the top 30 players not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and hopefully they all get in one day, and there's so many more than 30, um, that picture is in the piece. Who are your top five? I know he's number one because I did read the article. Give me two, three, two, three, four, and five. Uh, gee, I'm trying to remember. I did a while ago. I mean, Branch is one. I think Zach Thomas was two. Linebacker oh. from the Dolphins. Um, I, I'm just throwing him out there and so on. Uh, Kenny Anderson is on that list. What about for the Bengals? Ken Riley, both of the Bengals. Ken Riley, 65 interceptions. I'm, I'm, uh, Jim Marshall, I think, should be in there. Again, I'm giving you more than five. That's okay. Jim Marshall's not in the Hall of Fame. No, Jim Marshall's not in the Hall of Fame. That's an interesting one. I would, you know, I, Jim Mar I mean, played a lot of years. I mean, you know, the Hall of Fame has its own criteria. By the way, for conspiracy theorists, um, the NFL does not run the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay, I, I, I hear many times, and I hear it, I hear it from Raider fans in particular because they think there's this bias toward Al Davis and and all that. The NFL. The, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a separate entity. I've been attending these ceremonies for about 30 years. I know many of the people, in fact, some of the people I, I've dealt with 30 years have now recently re retired. But that's not, the NFL is not telling them what to do. 
Um, I've heard people complain there's no football players on the selection committee. That's incorrect as well. Um, uh, Dan Fouts, I believe, is on there. Uh, I believe James Lofton is on there. Tony Dungy is on there of the 48 committee. So they've, they've evolved in that way. I think what happens with the Hall of Fame sometimes is you have to keep in mind that pro football as we know it um, began in 1920, okay? The Hall of Fame began in 1963. That's a lot of catching up to do. And I know in the, you know, and, and they tried to do some of that, you know, last year with the centennial class. Unfortunately, never saw them actually get inducted and all that. But, um, you know, maybe they need to expand, you know, the seniors committee and, and different things. So there's, there's, there's a backlog. There's, there's no question about it. And, um, you know, hopefully people get in. And I know people kind of, you know, well, why did you get in before he passed away, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't know what you do about that. Okay, but the honor is, you know, I, I've attended those ceremonies so many times. And the thing that strikes me is it's about the player and as much so it's about the family. It's very important to the family. So. All right, Russell, let's talk uh, free agency. It begins next Thursday. The Saturday. Wednesday. Beg your pardon, next Wednesday. That's all right. No problem. <laughs> I'm tuned in. <laughs> it's been set at $182.5 million, uh, much lower, obviously, than teams would have anticipated a couple of years ago. So do you think teams are going to show any kind of financial responsibility or just we're going to back up the armored car and we're going to, you know what, come get it. Here's your cash. They don't have a choice if you really think about it. And you're seeing that right now with teams having to get under the cap. It's lower than they anticipated. It, um, I should say it's lower than they anticipated probably a year ago at this time. Now it's a little higher than you thought. We were here in 175 million, okay? And then they bumped it up to 180 was going to be the minimum. And now they settled at 182 and a half. But every, you know, years and years and years, the cap goes up, doesn't usually go down. So I think that's why you're seeing these veterans get cut. And, you know, some surprising cuts, some not so surprising cuts. Um, and I won't be surprised if somehow, some way, some of these guys wind up back on teams with renegotiated contracts. But for right now, they have to get under that cap by four o'clock next Wednesday. Okay. So it, it's like when you're getting ready for the draft, Dennis, um, people, some people don't realize this. It almost happened to the 49ers during the first year of the salary cap. If you're not under the salary cap for the draft, you're not allowed to participate in the draft. Oh, I don't think a lot of people know that. And that's the first yeah. time I've ever heard. Unless they change the rules sometime soon. No, you're not. But see, no team has really even come close to that. Right, I, right. But yeah. still, that's very but the first year of the cap that the 49ers were in really a, a, a tough situation. Remember, free agency started in 93. Right. Cap didn't start until 94. And then in 93 is when you saw like Reggie White go to Green Bay and some of the other more prominent guys. And 95, it then people understood what they were doing and so on. And you saw all the quarterbacks sign with different teams and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Now you don't really get your quarterback in the in free agency at all. So, um, but yeah, this is a little bit of a dip down. And um, now that we know what the cap is, I think that the moves are really going to come fast and furious. What do you think the biggest surprise is your point of view that's been cut so far? 
It's hard to ignore the, the, the Chiefs cutting both their starting tackles. I know neither one of them played the Super Bowl this past year, but, um, and, you know, while Eric Fisher was the first overall pick um, back in 2013, Mitchell Schwartz is an outstanding player. He was an, I, I, I never could believe the Browns a couple of years ago put him on the open market. I was stunned. With him, him and Joe Thomas made up one of the best tackle combinations in the last 10, 15 years. Um, so, and we saw what happened to Patrick Mahomes without starting those starting tackles. So, um, maybe it's time for them to rebuild their offensive line. I, and I know that sounds like recency, but when you see that happen and you just think about the turn of events, they win a Super Bowl. Uh, Schwartz gets hurt in the middle of the year. Fisher gets hurt in the AFC championship game. Neither one playing the Super Bowl and both were released today. All right, Russell, most fans look at free agency like it's Christmas morning. They got a shiny new toy to add to the roster now. But, I mean, a lot of these guys are free agents for a reason. So is it buyer beware when it comes to a lot of these guys? I think this year, because of the way the cap is, Dennis, um, some of these guys are free agents not for a reason other than the fact that teams can't afford to get uh, pay big money and so on. But somebody's going to pay big money. You've got teams like Jacksonville, the Jets, who have a lot of cap room. Of course, they also have uh, a lot of different needs. So um, most of these players who are out here, and I'm not talking about the guys who can be signed now. It, it, guys who were, had their contracts terminated can be signed immediately. That's why J.J. Watt is with the Cardinals. He didn't have to wait till March 17th. That's why Mark Ingram joined the Texans today. Okay, he was cut loose by Baltimore, so he can be picked up. It's the guys whose contracts technically expire on Wednesday afternoon. Now we get the legal tampering thing. So some of that stuff is going to leak out Monday and Tuesday and then become official. Just like the trades, the Carson Wentz trade. Okay. Those aren't official until Wednesday. Right. Um, again, I don't know if it's buyer beware. I think it's just buyer be careful of how much you spend, especially this year where you don't send your finances out of control. And there are, I mean, you look at teams like the Eagles who are getting rid of so many players and the Saints, you know, who are cutting people left and right. Um, the Rams, you know, still have some a lot of trimming to do or some refurbishing to do or restructuring to do. So it's a, I think after we get through free agency, for the most part in the draft, I'll be curious if some of these teams who cut players, if they are not picked up by somebody, that they may be returned to teams at a lower price. Okay. And it might just be a one-year price, Dennis. Okay. Because if, if, if life gets back to normal next year, maybe the cap goes way up. Russell, give me one player who you would empty the bank for. It's a running back and it's Aaron Jones. And his Bay Packers. Yes. Um, he's made a big difference with Green Day. You know, even though my, uh, Aaron Rodgers has put up his share of fantastic numbers and low interceptions, um, as years went on with Mike McCarthy, they got away from balance. And it became Aaron Rodgers this and Aaron Rodgers that, very much like Peyton Manning in his latter year with the Colts. Okay, they got away from Edron James wasn't there anymore. And they were balanced. But balance is what wins in this league, not high quarterback numbers. Okay, that's why, you know, it was funny. You're talking about the countdown of... Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady throwing 50 touchdown passes. Well, one of them lost the Super Bowl, and the other one didn't even make it to the Super Bowl. 
And Peyton Manning threw, had the record. He threw 55. And he only his team only lost by 35 points in the Super Bowl. Okay? So um, there's only been two quarterbacks to throw at least 40 touchdown passes in the season and win the Super Bowl the same year. One was Tom Brady this year. The other was Kurt Warner in 1999. By the way, no quarterbacks ever the league, led the league in passing yards and won the Super Bowl in the same season. That's 55 years of that. So you better have some balance. You better have some defense if you're going to win a team sport. Russell, I find that very fascinating because I think the theory is, you know what, we got to, we got to have a, you know, we got to be throwing the ball 50 times and put up huge numbers. We don't have to be balanced to win the Super Bowl. And then because these running backs are a dime a dozen and we can replace them at any point, but uh, you make, you make a very good argument for the running back position. Here's what I know. Um, in this high-flying age of football, uh, two teams have gotten to the Super Bowl in the past three years and didn't score a touchdown. That would be the Rams, and that would be the Chiefs. Yeah, Rams against the Patriots and the Chiefs. Right. They got a field goal. Yep, the right. Chiefs got three field goals. Right. Okay, but, boy, you know, but they were the number one offense in the league this year, Dennis. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit more about quarterbacks now. I, I don't think Russell Wilson is going anywhere this year. Perhaps maybe next year, but I think he's staying in Seattle at least one more year. Deshaun Watson with the Texans, I think that's a divorce waiting to happen. Where, how do you see that playing out, Russell? I think that, quote-unquote, what you call a divorce um, happens maybe closer as we get to the draft to see who blinks first because he insists that he'll sit out, and they insist they're not going to trade him. And as we get closer and closer – to the time where they could actually get something for him. If it's going to, now, if they don't trade him before the draft, Dennis, then he, I believe he will sit. And, it, you know, then game on for both uh, parties and sad, but, you know, you, you've seen what, ha what has happened with the Texans these last few years. They, you know, mismanaged. Um, I thought Bill O'Brien was a good coach, but asking him to, you know, be a jack of all trades just doesn't work. It doesn't. It's hard to do that in this league in the salary cap era. Um, you make decisions. You now make decisions on players based as much on finance as you do playing ability. And if you're a coach, you should be worrying about playing ability. So, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But they put themselves in quite a hole, and I think that's the DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins trade kind of started it. Um, JJ Watt, who's been a model professional wanted out and they granted him his release they're cutting players as well so um i'm not sure what's going to happen there and so on but it's 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 even though they have a new gm and a new head coach um new coaching staff uh you know deshaun watson cast a big shadow over that team right now and it's not like he hasn't been a good guy either he's been great for the community he's been an outstanding player i know he's gotten hurt a couple of times but um I'll be curious to see how this plays out. Russell, Dak Prescott was the latest quarterback to sign a big contract uh, four more years with the Cowboys. These numbers for these quarterbacks are getting larger and larger, and they are taking up a huge chunk of the salary cap. I mean, do you see it ever going down the line where the quarterbacks are going to have their own salary cap? Well, I would hope not because I think it would defeat the whole purpose of the salary cap, to be honest with you. Um, you've got to have some, or you've got to expand the salary cap and still fit him in to do a separate, uh, and listen, there's not $3,200 million quarterbacks out there either. Okay. Right. So number, and, 
uh, you know, there are some defensive players who, who, who warrant some big money as well. I know they don't warrant cornerback money, but I'd be surprised if we ever got to that. Um, this is just, this is just a, a rough year to judge anything financially because of the cap going down instead of going up. Um, I'll be curious to see where we are a year from now. If we have a normal football season with normal attendance, et cetera, et cetera, finances go back, back up. Um, you know, we're in the, on the verge of some new TV contracts, which is part of why the cap is getting saved a little bit. We're on the verge of a 17th game, it looks like, which helps finances as well. But I, I, I have no say in the matter, but I'd be hardly, I'd be really surprised if they ever went that route. You like the idea of the 17th game in the regular season? I would prefer 18, to be honest with you, um, and knock it down to two preseason games. You know, it's talking it'll be three preseason games. The NFL is oh, the NFL is going from 14 to 16, um, and there's always been a 20-game block, Dennis. So maybe it's going to be 17 and three this year. Um, but we're going to have some unusual standings. You know, we're, are we going to have an eight, eight and one team? Are we going to have uh, a nine and eight team um, from what I guess the plan is that 17th game is going to be an interconference game. So uh, my, my theory, or if I was doing it, I would have made it 18 games and your slotted game. And you know what I mean by that? If you're, yes. uh, if you're the planet. team, right. I would have just played a home and home with the other two first place teams or a home and home with the other second place teams. And I, I think that would have been, and who knows, maybe we'll get to that eventually. But, you know, we've had a, you know, we've had a 16-game um, season since 1978, you know, barring a couple of strikes and so on. But I was surprised. Listen, there used to be 14 games. You used to play six preseason games. And if you were the defending Super Bowl champion, you played a seventh against the college all-stars. I do remember that game growing up as yeah. Hey, Russell, didn't the USFL play 18 games? Yes, they did. And I believe I believe the CFL plays 18 games. I also believe Reggie White played most of a USFL season in 1985 and then came to Philadelphia and played 13 or 14 more games for the Philadelphia Eagles. So he played like 30-something games that year. He, I'm sure he wasn't the only one to do that either. Right. Yeah. All right, Russell, I want you to put on your GM hat, and you and I are going to go free agent shopping uh, for the Raiders. They clearly need help on defense, but let's just focus on the safety position. And now they have three holes on the offensive line, and if they need lose Nelson Aguilar, they're going to need a wide receiver as well. So give me three free agents we should target at those particular positions. Well, I know they're on the verge of officially trading Trent Brown next week, who they – well overpaid for, um, but I'd like to see them. Gabe Jackson is now gone, and Richie Incognito is gone, and I think if they're going to spend any money, I'd like to see them spend it on Joe Thune, uh, the guard for the Patriots, uh, and it's, they're not going to necessarily break the bank, but you'll get sizable money. Brandon Scherf was the best um, guard on the market, but he's been franchised. Uh, the, two of the better tackles, Cam Robinson and Taylor Moten, were franchised, um, we, of course we have the, you know, the, uh, the two tackles from the chiefs are floating around out there and so on. But I, I would go with a guy who got the tag last year. He's not getting it this year. And, um, a, a guy who could help them move the chains. I mean, Josh Jacobs to me is an outstanding running back. Um, but I think they need even more from him in the offensive line until they actually are able to fix the defense 
that has been subpar for more than a decade. Uh, you can go further back than a decade. The last time they had yeah. a decent defense was the year they went to the Super Bowl in 2002. Yeah. I think the last time they were ranked, I want to say 2012, they were ranked high. But I always use this example, Dennis. Um, they had a defense in 2016 with the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And their defensive unit, I believe, gave up 45 touchdowns in 16 games. I'm not including turn. That's just the defensive unit. So, yeah, that year they their defense created a lot of turnovers. They gave up a lot of points. Yeah, but they also created a lot of turnovers. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster seems to be on their radar. What do you make of him as a free agent? Well, it depends on what Juju we see. Do we see him? You know, as more of a big play guy, and a lot of people credit that to Antonio Brown, opening things up for him when he was in Pittsburgh. It hasn't been the same, but. It, to me, it's also hard to gauge the last two years. He played mostly without Ben Roethlisberger in 2019. And this year, I mean, you want to talk about lack of balance. I mean, the, the Steelers offense came out throwing quick this, quick that, quick this, quick that. It was almost like they were trying to get the game over with. And so I don't know what you really get from Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, is he still have the big play cut capability? Um, is he strictly a slot receiver? who can just get the, the nasty yards up in the middle. They need they, The Raiders still kind of need a stretch guy, um, and I don't know if he necessarily provides that. To me, he's more of a run-after-the-catch guy than he is a stretch guy. Well, if they don't resign Aguilar, they're still looking for a number one. Is, is Juju, is he a number one? Or I view him as a number two. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think he's closer to a two right now. Um and he was always a great number two opposite of Antonio Brown. So I don't think he's anything. He's elevated his game. I mean, I think he's a quality player. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't know if he necessarily fits what they want to do because they need to get more. I mean, their flash plays now come from Darren Waller as far as a downfield threat. And I think you want somebody on the outside that can do that. Russell, their ballyhooed free agent class of 2019 and, and the trade class as well, because I'm going to throw Antonio Brown in there, Tyrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner, Trent Brown, all gone. They gave out $70 million to those guys in guaranteed money, and now they're looking to sign a tackle, a receiver, and a defensive back. I mean, uh, who, who deserves the blame? Is we putting it all on John Gruden? Is this partially Mike Mayock, or is it both, a combination of both of them? Well, I think over the course of... Uh, you know, Gruden's been there longer than Mike has. So I don't know if it's necessarily, I, I don't know, blame is maybe a, a strong a strong word. But, um, you know, when you pay as much as they did for Trent Brown and then turn around and, and trade him, you know, when you pay as much as they did, you expect that guy to be there for a while, okay? Um, LaMarcus Joyner, to me, you know, it, it, they're constantly trying to fix their defense with free agents. And the one thing I do like is what Mike Mayock has done is they at least have tried to fix the defensive line with young players. Okay. As far as the rest of the defense, it, they're plugging holes, plugging holes, plugging holes. They've been doing that for five, at least five or six years. And those guys are one and done or two and done. So they really haven't built anything on defense, even though they've built a young and up and coming defensive front. But that can only take you so far. 
They have a new defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley. You wrote about him. Good fit for the Raiders? I think he is because I think he's a good teacher. And I think that's what the, the defensive front needs. And um, because there's still a, a bunch of young players up there. Um, I'll be curious to see if Jonathan Hankins sticks around because I think he's one of those guys. I know he's bounced around the last couple of years, but he's one of those guys who plugs the middle and you can build around him and so on. So um, I think he, I think he's a good fit, fit. Um, but, but hopefully he fits for a couple of years. I think that's also been one of the problems with the Raiders defensive coordinators is so much Raiders defensive coordinators is almost like watching the Cleveland Browns head coaches. That's okay, you get no continuity if you're going to change people up after two or three years. I, look, Russell, I said I don't blame Paul Gunther. I don't think it was all his fault. I still question how much talent or lack of talent that right. the defensive side of the football. Well, yeah, and you have to build. And they're probably going to try to fix the back seven again with free agents. And I don't know if that's over the course of time, if that's the right way to go. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the year last year, they were as bad a defense as there was in the league. They certainly were. I'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, John Gruden, he's going to enter year four in 2021. How would you assess the job he's done so far? Last two years have been disappointing because they have let it get away from them. Okay. You know, they're six and four. In 2019, they had the same record as the Chiefs, if I remember right, in 2019, and went belly up. This year, I think, weren't they 6-3? and three? They were 6-3, and three, and then they lost to the Chiefs Sunday night to drop 6-4, right. and, and then the following. And they had a golden opportunity. I know home field advantage didn't mean what it was, and they're sitting right. there with a three-game homestand um, late in the year, okay, and lost them all. I'd say to the Colts, to the Dolphins – and the Chargers. Right. Okay, not necessarily in that order. I think it was, but whatever. But it, it was a similar pattern that, that you saw in 2019. So not being able to close the deal and not being able to close the deal this year, Dennis, when you had an additional playoff spot at your disposal. Russell, great stuff. Really appreciate you taking the time to join me and sharing your wonderful knowledge of the NFL. Oh, thank you very much. It was, it was fun being on, and uh, I think I enjoyed the the, uh, the older talk more than the almost newer talk and so on. You know, you can talk about Mike Ciani. You know, it, it can't be a bad day. So, Hey, I always tell my family I'm old enough to remember the good days when the Raiders won all these close games, and now they lose them all, and they, they, just, they long for those kind of days, and I'd say, well, at least I didn't get to experience them. Once again, Raider Nation, Russell is the founder of ProFootballGuru.com. You can also read his articles on Fansided, and you can follow him at BaxFootballGuru. All right, Raider Nation, I want to give a brief moment now to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, Find the exact shoe you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you have been eyeballing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, 
logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers, $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.